Father God, we just pray that you would give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the truth of your word. Pray that you would open our eyes and our understanding that we might know the great things that you've provided for us, the blessings that are upon us. And so, Lord, we, we pray that there would be a sense of your anointing and your peace and your blessing upon the word, that we would be enriched, that we would be strengthened, that we would be encouraged, Lord, that uh, we have been given great power and authority. And so, Lord, I, I really pray that you would bless us this morning. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen and amen. Praise God. Let me just say... Uh, Really appreciate uh, yes, last week when I asked you if you just if you have any questions or comments, if you could keep them to the end, it would greatly be appreciated. Um, so if you want a reference or something, that the, the meetings are are taped, but are also have very comprehensive notes. So if you miss a reference, you can uh, rather than disturbing the meeting, you can come catch it from me after. Pastor, if we had the scriptures up here, it would be much easier too, wouldn't it? Well, possibly. It's a hang of a lot more work for us. You know. <laughs> if you're willing to do that, you're most welcome. <laughs> uh, so, but anyway, if, if you could, if you do miss a scripture, um, please feel free to come speak to me afterwards and I'll give it to you. Would that be okay? Yes. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Praise God. So we want to just recap over some of the things that we've been looking at. And, uh, and uh, we, well, probably the most important thing that we, we said last week was that, you know, the, the Christians are a group of diverse believers. Um, there are uh, fundamental doctrines and there are side issues uh, that uh, many sincere Christians actually disagree over the side issues. But as long as they don't disagree over the fundamental doctrines like the deity of Christ, the virgin birth, uh, his sinless life, his virgin birth, his death, resurrection, and his coming again, as long as you don't disagree over those issues, there are many side issues um, that we can disagree on and still have fellowship. For example, uh, the, 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 uh, is it pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation? You know, we might not all agree, but we can still have fellowship. Is it baptism by sprinkling or by immersion? Speaking in tongues, is it of God or is it of the devil? You know? Uh, these really are side issues because they don't affect our eternal destiny. Uh, but we can have great fellowship even if we disagree on these side issues and they don't because they don't affect our salvation. And so it's not necessary that we come to the unity of doctrine. The Bible says we come to the unity of faith, faith in Christ. And so we, we uh, can have these disagreements and still have fellowship. And everyone said? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. So... We, we started looking at, at the dual aspect uh, of the church um, last week. We we're looking at the, the oikos. Uh, it's, the, it's the Greek word for the house of God. And the oikos has certain characteristics that are fundamental to it. And they are, um, uh, we, we'll go through, through them in a, in a second. The second realm that the church operates in is the ecclesia. And that is the, the, the church. And so the oikos, the house of God, uh, deals with the family, the body, the bride, the flock. And it deals with the relational aspects in the kingdom of God. It's loving, it's caring, it's nurturing. And, and it really deals with fathers, sons and daughters. It's, the, it's the, the loving side. And that's what the church is well known for. On the other side is the Ecclesia. And if you remember, we were looking at the origins of, uh, of that word Ecclesia um, because the Holy Ghost selected it to actually show the church what it meant. And we saw 
how ecclesia was a compound of two Greek words, ek meaning out of, and ecclesia is a derivative of kaleo, and kaleo actually means to call. So when you put it in together, ecclesia means called out. But more than that, the Holy Spirit chose this word because of the importance of it was in, in, in Greece, in ancient Greece, when they first uh, actually uh, developed democracy. And in a, in a suburb or a region called Attica, um, they, they first began this practice where they elected people from amongst the group. They were called out of the group and uh, they were given power to make decisions and exercise authority um, for, for the entire group. And this group um, was called the Ecclesia. And so we, we begin to understand now why the Holy Spirit used this word Ecclesia. Because it means called out to exercise authority. Called out to govern. And that's one of the aspects that the church uh, is, is called to do. And so we, we were looking at that and we saw that there are different aspects of, of the church life. Um, we looked at Oikos, we looked at Ecclesia, the lesser known aspect of the church, because it's the governmental legislative side uh, of the church. It's the military branch of the church, if you like. It deals with the army of God. It deals with leadership, with warriors, conquerors, and ambassadors. And it's all about enforcing the laws of God, binding and loosing and decreeing, and the warring aspects of the kingdom of God. In the Oikos, we saw in the house of God that Jesus is a savior, shepherd, and brother. And Jesus carries the shepherd's crook. In the Ecclesia, we see that uh, Jesus is uh, king, lord, and judge. And Jesus carries the scepter, the symbol of monarchy, of power, and authority. And so you've got these dual dimensions. One is with loving and caring and, and nurturing, which is the oikos of God. And then you've got the ecclesia, those that are out there warfaring and declaring uh, and exercising power, wielding power for the kingdom of God, declaring God's word and law. And so uh, we said that uh, as, as king, lord, and judge, Jesus carries the scepter, the symbol of monarchy and power. And the church is really called to change the spiritual atmosphere. That is one of the most important things. If I could just, uh, we didn't cover this last week, but I think it's one of the major callings of every individual believer. We need to be praying into uh, and changing the spiritual atmosphere uh, around in our marriages, in our homes, in our job situations, and in the, in the nations. We have been given that uh, responsibility, and, and that's why we are called the Ecclesia, called out to wield power and authority. Okay, so uh, I want to say to you, if the church doesn't do this, nobody else can. You know, if we don't come against wickedness and ungodliness and the powers and principalities, if we don't wage war against them, nobody else can. Because Jesus has invested into the church, what? Power and authority. Amen? Hallelujah. So it's important. Then we look to the whole aspect of Ephesians 6.12, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And uh, we saw that behind the powers that, that are observable to the naked eye, there was a spiritual realm, a spirit, uh, and that, that's where the trouble started. So we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You don't battle your wife, your husband, your kids, your boss, or whoever. It's the spirit behind that is seeking to bring havoc and chaos into our life. And we're called to, to wrestle against that. 
And uh, we looked at that, that word wrestle in the Greek, and that word in the Greek is pole. And pole means to, to strike down or to cast out. And the root of that uh, means to be violently thrust out, to beat, and to strike down. It's a warfare term. Mm-hmm. And you know, if, if we've got to exercise and go into battle uh, against the principalities and powers of darkness. And we saw that there was another interesting word found in, in, um, in Ephesians 6.12. Uh, but it really says that this whole thing is a, that we're engaged in a knockdown, drag out kind of battle with the devil. You know, we're fighting principalities and powers and the rulers of darkness. And when we looked at that term, rulers of darkness, it was very interesting. Because like most Greek words, it's derived of a, a compound of words. And, a, and the first word is cosmos, from which where we get our word cosmology from. It's the study of the world. And then the second word is, uh, is kata eo. And kata eo means a, a, a ruler or a prince. Um, and so when you put it together, you have this world ruler. Uh, so the, 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 the spiritual powers and principalities uh, is, is talking about this world ruler that we are to uh, go to warfare with. Okay. So it's really a, a term that refers to Satan. It's an epithet of, uh, of Satan, if you like. And so this world ruler, this uh, cosmos, Carter uh, Eor, is a, a world ruler. And it's really de- depicting Satan that we're called to wage war against. Okay. I said to you last week, it's important to understand that uh, we are not fighting for victory. We are fighting from victory. Jesus Christ has already gained the victory for the church. And so that's a very important distinction. Jesus is already victorious. He's destroyed the power of the devil. We are fighting to enforce Christ's victory. Like in in any war, inevitably when the ceasefire is called, there are elements that don't want to give up and they carry on fighting until uh, until peace is finally restored. And there's like these mop-up operations. And that's really what the church is involved in. Jesus has really disarmed principalities and powers, but some of them are refusing to give up and we just need to enforce Christ's victory. So we're not fighting for victory, we're fighting from victory, doing the mop-up operations. And we're, we're looking to maintain our victory. Why? Because the devil tries to come and steal our inheritance. Amen? Ever been robbed by the devil? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Amen. Okay. So we saw also the, the absolute need, the vital uh, message that Paul brings to the Ephesian church. And we saw in Ephesians one that Paul was praying that the church would get a mighty revelation. And if I, I wonder how many of you remembered your homework? Ooh, a couple of you. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Okay. So we said it's really important to pray because uh, the, the, the message behind Ephesians 1, Paul said that he, he prays that you get a revelation. And we're going to look at that in Revelation chapter, uh, uh, Ephesians, I beg your pardon, uh, chapter 1 and verse 20. And I'm reading this from the Amplified because it's the most clear to understand. And so that you can know and understand. This is Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church, so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of His power in us and for us who believe, as demonstrated in the working of His mighty power when, which He exerted in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His own right hand in heavenly places. 
Paul is saying you've got to get a revelation of this unlimited power that has been bestowed upon you. You know, this is lost on most parts of the church. They, they, they see themselves as victims. They see themselves as powerless. Because Paul is saying you need a revelation. You have this incredible, uh, unlimited and surpassing greatness power that's within you. And it's really talking about resurrection power. Okay, I could preach, but I'll move on because this is just the recap. Then we looked at Romans chapter 5 and we saw that Romans chapter 5 was really divided into two parts and really dealt with <coughs> excuse me, what we lost in Adam and what we gained in Christ. And what we lost in Adam was really dominion and subjection. And we looked at Genesis chapter 1 and 28. The reason for the fall was that Adam did not exercise his authority. Amen? Amen? He had been given dominion over the serpent, and he kept his mouth shut. Like vast swaths of the church today who don't realize that they have authority, they are keeping their mouths shut, and as a result, we're seeing this proliferation of darkness in the world today. So the reason for the fall was that Adam didn't exercise his authority, and uh, 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 he obeyed Satan. And as a result of that, uh, Satan, he surrendered everything he had to Satan. The Bible says in Romans uh, 6, 16, that, uh, that uh, know you not that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey. So when Ad Adam submitted unto uh, Satan, he committed high treason. Everything that he had was now taken over by the enemy. And so that's how uh, Satan became uh, powerful in this world, uh, because he usurped uh, Adam's authority. And so that's what we lost, and we looked at that in some detail. Then secondly, the second part of Romans 5 is what we gained in Christ. And we looked that, at the fact that Jesus came to restore mankind's authority. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. He came to give us back to us. And we looked at Romans 5.17, the, the latter part, verse B. It says, Much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. That's us. Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. This is what he says. Shall reign as kings in life by one Jesus Christ. When you know this authority, when you've been given this revelation of this unlimited power that has been given to the church, then you shall reign in life as a king. Because you've got power and authority to exercise. And so Jesus came expressly to, to restore man's kind authority. So we have no power or authority in and of ourselves. We have delegated power and authority. We only operate by what God has done for us. So that's kind of where we got up to uh, last week. And this week I, I want to start off with a story that Terry Law told many years ago that kind of illustrates this principle of delegated authority. Uh, he, he told the story of, uh, uh, it actually happened, true story, uh, of this policeman who was directing traffic in the middle of Mexico, the biggest city in the world, rush hour traffic, and he was standing on a podium uh, directing traffic when very close by there was a terrible accident that occurred. And the policeman looked and he, and he saw the carnage and he, he got down off, off his podium and ran over uh, to see that if he could uh, render any assistance. And of course, within seconds, the traffic was gridlocked. And as a result of that, 
a, a, a scout, a little a young boy was walking past, a boy scout, and he looked at the situation and recognized what needed to be done. And so he walked into the middle of the intersection, climbed up on the policeman's podium, and began to direct the traffic. And amazingly, people listened to him. And that's what I find so, so fascinating. Here's this boy, not even old enough to have a driver's license, but he's directing traffic. And people are listening to him because he's standing on the podium. He's taken the place of authority. He's operating and under the authority of the government. And he's saying, come, you come, no, you stop. And within seconds, he's got the traffic moving like a pro because he was operating under the authority that the policeman had. And so that's a, that's a wonderful picture of how God actually has delegated power and authority to us. So uh, it, it's something I want you to understand that we have this delegated authority. And that authority is not just for spiritual giants. Aren't you glad about that? It's not just for the who's who in Christianity. It's for every believer in Christ. You have this unlimited power of Christ. And Paul's saying, get a revelation of this. This is going to change your life. You're going to rule as a king when you understand this. That's why, you know, lack of revelation, people suffer. People endure life. When you understand what God has done, and you are enriched in every way, the Bible says. So, uh, you know, this is not just for the who's who of Christianity. It's for every believer. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. The kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. I'm telling you, the, the, the world at large looks at the church and sees nothing different. Because all we're doing is operating in word. And God has called the church to be a people of power. People of authority. People to make decisions and exercise the, the will of God here on earth. And the, the world looks at the church and says, there's no power there. There's no difference there. Because there's no revelation of what God has done for us. Can you say amen? amen? So every child of God has the supernatural ability, no matter how long or short have you been saved. Will you turn to the person next to you and say, you have unlimited power. Please use it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me just say, you know, Christians tend to be a very divided group of people. You know, many of them, it's all or nothing. That's kind of where we are. You know, miracles have ceased. Miracles are for today. You know, it's all or nothing. You know, some say it doesn't matter how you live, you've been forgiven. Others say you need to be holy. And I'm in that group. Amen. Hallelujah. It does matter how you live. Some say there's no such things as devils. Others see demons in every doorknob. You know, it's kind of, whoa, what's going on here? You know. And they become obsessed. Not everything is demonic. Uh, but demons are real. And it's important not to get carried away. I want to say to you, maturity is about standing, understanding the tensions of Scripture. Uh, where truth is found is where Scriptures intersect. On the one hand, we must not get carried away with everything. On the other hand, we must not throw the baby out with a boy water. Everyone said? Yes. Amen. So we need a balanced, a mature approach. That's what's required when we understand what God, God is saying. You know, I said this is for, for the, anybody who, who really wants to uh, uh, operate in an authority. As long as you're born again, doesn't matter how 
uh, young you are in the Lord or how old you are, you have this authority. You know, many years ago, um, I led my sister and her husband to Christ. And uh, long story, I won't go into it. But uh, my sister Honey and I had been involved in the occult uh, back in the day. I didn't know any better. And as a result of our dabbling, she became demon-possessed. And if we, if we drove past a church with, uh, or across some, in a graveyard, she would just start manifesting. And uh, she got, finally got delivered, but that, that's a story for another time. But um, it, it's interesting that when, when I led them to the Lord, I felt God prompt me and said, the devil's not happy about this. And I, said, I said to her, I said, look, honey, you need to be prepared for uh, a counterattack. I just feel that the, the devil's not happy that he's lost to you from the, from the kingdom of darkness. And you, you need to be prepared. Just watch out. You know, you don't need to fear him, but uh, I, I, I suspect that, you know, he won't take this lying down. Well, the very next day, uh, or evening, shall I say, um, Honey and Keith had gone to, to bed, and in the middle of the night, they woke up uh, with these fearful, um, demonic presences, this, this feeling uh, that, and, and noises that were coming out of the nursery. Um, the, the devil had attacked um, uh, my, my nephew, and uh, he was screaming and growling and, and making these incredible incredibly demonic noises and, and sounding more like animals and, uh, and demons scream, screaming in pain. And, uh, they, both Honey and Keith woke up and they, they looked at each other. They were quite terrified. And so Honey ran into, in, into the nursery and she, she was really quite, um, quite scared. She said, as she came into the, into the room, there was the, this evil presence that was just so powerful and, and the room really seemed dark and oppressive and, and it was really difficult for her. And, you know, she thought, man, I'm going to take my baby and I'm going to get out of here. But he, he, was, he was actually going through, as he was making these noises, he'd go stiff like a board. And then he would thrash around and like trying to get away from something. And it, it was terrifying. And Honey thought, man, he, he is so violent. I don't think I can take him out the cot. You know, I'm, I might drop him. And it, you know. So she said, I'm going to leave him in the cot. So she came and phoned me at two o'clock in the morning. Wasn't that nice of her? <laughs> you do that with your brother. <laughs> you know. She said, I want you to cast the devil out of my house. It's come. He's come. You know. So I said to her, look. Uh, it's two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I said, honey, you need to understand right now that you have authority. And that there is power in the name of Jesus. That's the name that's above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee must bow and every tongue confess. That includes the devil and all his minions. And I said, it's important for you to stand up and understand that you have power over the, authority, over the devil. You've been given this delegated power. You can cast the devil out. I said, I'll come back, back you up if you want to, to. But I want you uh, to go back into the room and uh, cast the devil out. You know? So she, she was very nervous and a little bit apprehensive. And she, she walked back into the room really trembling. And her heart was racing. Uh, her voice was dry. Her knees were trembling. And uh, she said, in the name of Jesus, get out of here. And don't come back. And she said, as she said, it was like 
there was like a burst of light that just flooded the room. Uh, and what had been dark and oppressive, suddenly uh, the, the whole atmosphere changed. There was this light and there was this warmth and there was the, the, the presence of God in the room. And, and she said it was absolutely amazing how one minute the room had been dark and oppressive. Now it was filled with glory. It was warm. It was comfortable. And, and, and there was just such a sense of God's presence that came into the room. And my little nephew, uh, who had been really struggling, just went, ah, and fell off to sleep. She had been saved one day, and she drove the devil out. That is the power that, and the authority that each and every one of us have. You know, it's quite amazing that we have this kind of thing. Because there's power in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. There's power in the blood of Jesus. And when we start to exercise it, then, then the church will be reckoned with. Remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power. Folks, the church has got to get back to the place where we're hungry for the power of God. We've got to come beyond just rituals and, and the, you know, the, the, the usual. We've got to get into the power of God. We've got to get into the glory. We've got to get into the anointing. The true church must manifest the kingdom of God in power. If you are a believer, you are part of the body of Christ. I'm beseeching you. Man, start to seek God for this revelation that Paul talks about in Ephesians 1. Start to believe God that you can exercise power and authority. Start to believe God to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Start to exercise the authority you have as a believer. And the world will see because it's not about robes and, and rituals. It's not about bells and smells. It's about power and authority. Amen. Hallelujah. And so I really believe God's looking to each and every one of us to step up our game, to start to, to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, to demonstrate that power. And so I want to encourage you this week to really seek God and say, God, I want, to, I want to get out the boat. I want to do something I haven't done before. Maybe I'm going to bring a prophecy. Maybe, Lord, maybe you could use me to pray for somebody who's sick. Maybe begin to start to flow in that. I encourage you to do that. You know, there's an interesting account in the, in the book of Acts that I want to look at this morning. And uh, it's about some Jews who are not followers of Christ. Um, the Bible calls them vagabond Jews. Now, that just... That just means that uh, they were sort of um, travelers, um, you know, nomadic travelers. They were kind of uh, like gypsies today. And they were going all over Israel and they were using the name of Jesus uh, to cast out uh, devils and demonic uh, spirits. And so, again, I stress to you that these guys were, were not believers. Um, they were... Uh, not following Jesus, so they, they were literally usurping the authority and the power that belongs only to believers. And I want to read to you what happened uh, in, in Acts chapter 19. It says, uh, I'm reading from verse 13, and it says, Some Jews who went around uh, driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day, an evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? 
you know, the, the demon recognized that they had usurped this authority. The demon recognized that they were not believers and that they, uh, they didn't have any authority here. And, and essentially the demon said, what are, who do you think you are? What do you think you're doing here? And after that, the demon jumped on them and beat the seven, seven guys up. And they ran from the place naked and bleeding because they were trying to usurp authority which they didn't have. They were not believers in Jesus. Hallelujah. So, they were pretty humiliated. They got their butts kicked, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, we have this authority delegated to us. Because we are believers. It's not delegated to the religious. It's not delegated to churchgoers or to spiritual people. Nobody except the true believer in Christ has this power and authority. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So, we see that it's very important to, to understand. We need to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Anything that Christ did, folks, we can do. Think about that. We all marvel at the works of Jesus. And yet Jesus himself said, the works that I do, shall you do also. That inspires me. That says, I want to get close to God. I want to move in the miraculous. I long for the presence of God, the anointing of God. Are you hungry for that? If you're not, I pray that you'd really stir it up because we need to, to be moving in the manifest power and glory of the Lord. You know, I'm going to touch on a thorny issue. It's another one of those uh, side issues. You may, you may agree, you may not agree, but it's not one of those that we need to fall out of. Uh, I'm just going to share a couple of uh, thoughts with you. And it's, it's really this. If we're going to um, come against uh, the principalities and powers of darkness and cast the demons out, uh, what, some people think, well, what happens if he comes into me? You know? So the question then arises, can a Christian be demon-possessed? It's the Greek word demonizomai, and it means possessed. I don't believe so. I believe that if you are born again and spirit-filled and uh, being, uh, pursuing God with all your heart and soul, you cannot be possessed. Okay? And I'll give you some reasons for that in, in a little while. But if you're only going to church, you know, and you're playing around and, and you know, you're mucking around with the things of the world, the flesh and the devil. Watch out. You know, you've got a question. Are you saved or are you just a churchgoer? You know, you can go to every church in town. That does not make you a Christian. Amen? Okay. So it's important that we understand. The good news is that uh, we liberate anyone that, who's bound. Okay. So why can't we be, be possessed? Because we already belong to God. Okay? We are the temples of God, filled with the Holy Spirit. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We are co-laborers with the Lord, sons and daughters of the Most High. We are already uh, the dwelling place of God. We are joined to the Lord, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6.17. So what fellowship is there with darkness and light? None. Yeah. What communion has light with darkness? None. You know, what, fe what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? None. Can sweet and bitter water come out of the same fountain? No. If we are joined to the Lord, the Holy Spirit and demons are not going to live together in us. You know, the Holy Spirit will not share his habitation with a demonic spirit. I really believe we are totally safe. Amen. You know? 
See, friends, if we really believe and trust God, we, we don't need to be afraid of anything that the devil does. I want to look at a couple of scriptures. It's kind of interesting. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 1. And uh, we're going to look at that. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 1. I'm reading this from the King James. And when he, speaking about Jesus, had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave unto them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Notice Jesus did not say, protect yourselves, watch out, the devil's going to be after you. He didn't do that. And above all, they were, Jesus didn't say, you know, you, you, you could be possessed or, de- uh, uh, or injured doing this. No, Jesus never gave any such warnings. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 7 and 8, Jesus said, As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you received, freely give. Jesus didn't say that. No, be careful. This is dangerous stuff, you know. You know, you're dealing with the devil. No, he didn't say that. We have power over the enemy. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. You know, I was preaching along these lines many years ago uh, about our authority and, and uh, the victory that we have in Christ. And a man came up to me after the service and he was deadly serious. And he came and he said, you know, you need to watch out. You're on, you're on very dangerous ground. As you talk about the devil like that, he's going to come after you. And I smiled at him. I said, the devil wouldn't dare. He flees from me. And he looked at me and he thought, wow, this guy, I never saw that guy in church again. I think he was scared that the devil wouldn't come in and take him. But, you know, it's kind of interesting because Hollywood and some branches of the church have made out the devil to be this incredibly powerful being, you know. Um, you, you, you watch all those horror stories. I, I hope you don't, but I... I um, I've heard that, uh, and seen the odd, the odd snippet of, of the man of God going to cast out a demon, a demon in, a, in a horror story. And they find the weediest little guy you can find. The skinniest little runt with, with big Coca Cola uh, glasses, and uh, he's terrified going before the demon. And the demon goes, and the, and the man of God flees. You know, and so we get this idea that the, the devil and the demons are this, these all-powerful beings. The Bible says that we have power over the enemy. Amen? We have that, this authority. And the devil flees from us. He's a defeated foe. The only power that the enemy really has is the power of deception. But once you know that, that what, what's behind the deception, you're not deceived anymore. You, know? you don't need to be afraid of the devil when you know he's a defeated foe. And that Jesus said that you shall rule and reign over him and that he shall flee from you. Yes. In fact, one of the things Jesus said, one of the first signs uh, of a believer is that they will cast out devils in my name. You know, we have the authority, the devil flees from us. Hallelujah. The truth is, though, we can be oppressed. We can be oppressed, but we cannot be possessed. Okay, there's a difference. Okay. You know, we are not immune from the devil's attacks. Anybody can say amen to that? Amen. Yeah. amen. But, you know, we, we all have to deal with the onslaught uh, from the enemy. But he is a defeated foe, and we must rise up in the authority we have. You know, Acts 10.38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good and healing 
all that were oppressed of the devil. So the Bible makes it quite clear that, that uh, oppression or an attack from the enemy is quite possible. You know, in the context of this verse, there's a power struggle going on uh, between Jesus and the enemy. And, and the Bible says, Jesus healed all, all that were possessed of the devil. This was not a difficult thing for Jesus. This was this is a power struggle with no contest. Jesus is the supreme ruler and authority. So you can be oppressed. Okay, and it's the uh, Greek word katadinestur, and uh, it, it means a ruler or uh, an officer who's trying to exercise uh, authority or power. In the context uh, of uh, verse 38, Acts 10, 38, there, there is no real battle taking place. Jesus wins comprehensively. But if we want to understand what's going on, how people are oppressed of the devil, we read this in the dictionary. Uh, our English word for oppression is prolonged, cruel, or unjust treatment. Okay, the exercise of authority. The etymology of this word, or the history of this word, word actually comes from the Latin. And again, uh, it's, it's one of those compound words, uh, op and oppression. Uh, and when you put them together, we get the word oppression. But the, the, this, the prefix op actually carries the suggestion of confrontation. So, uh, to be violently or viciously against. And it's important that we understand that, okay? Uh, so it's more than just being anti. Now, anti is, means you're against something, but op actually means you're brutally uh, or, or cruelly, viciously opposed. That's what this word op means. When you, put it, when you look at the, the, the other part of the word, pression um, is to press against uh, or uh, to press under, to actually overpower or overwhelm. So... When you put the words together, you begin to see what oppressed means. You feel the pressure, an overwhelming pressure to, that wants to overpower you. And when you, so that's that's what we we understand from the uh, from the Latin. But it, it's even clearer in the Greek, because this word "katadinastuo" uh, actually means uh, a tyrant or a torment, somebody who's trying to uh, tyrannize you. It's cruel and it's unjust treatment uh, that brutally precious people. Uh, until they submit or are overpowered. So how's this work in practice? You start believing God for, for healing, and Satan and his minions uh, come against you on the offensive. Immediately you start to believe God. They play dirty, amen? They don't play by the Queen's very rules, you know? No, they don't do that. Uh, they, they resist the Word of God, they throw obstacles in your way, and they attack your faith. They put pressure on what you believe. And they will do anything to destroy your faith. Time goes by, you, you're still struggling with the symptoms, the pressure mounts, you become frustrated, overwhelmed. The pressure increases until you despair and finally give up. That's what oppression does. And all of us have been victims of oppression. But like Jesus, we have the same authority of Christ, the same Holy Spirit. And when we come against the devil, when he tries to oppress us, we can rise up in this authority and tell the devil to be gone in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. So, it's very interesting. There's a, there's, um, uh, in the Greek, it talks about oppression and position. They're two different words, uh, meaning two different things. And there's theological wars that have been uh, waged over this, you know. 
And uh, we're not going to resolve them here and now. I'm just simply going to tell you what the two Greek words are, and I'll leave you to your own devices, um, and I'll show you uh, what they are. It's, it's another one of these side issues, you know, uh, that we, we uh, must not let the devil divide us over. We can disagree on them and still have fellowship. I merely want to point out that the word possessed is demonizamai. And demonizamai actually means uh, possession or possess. The term uh, possession implies ownership. You own or possess your house or your car. You know, I've seen a lot of people recently, as, I, as I've been studying this, ascribing definitions uh, to this word demonizamai that I can't find in any of my Greek dictionaries. And, uh, Can you spell yeah. that word, Pastor? I'm sorry. Uh, I'll give you the transliteration because it, it's easier to spell that word. D-I-M-O-N-I-D-Z-O-M-Y. That's the transliteration. It's not how you actually spell the word, but that, that'll give you. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Please, if you, if you, I've lost my place. If, if we could just remember to, to uh, not to call out, I'd, I'd appreciate that. Okay. So Vine's dictionary says uh, this word possess or position, a uh, possession, and and Strong's talks about um, p- uh, demon possession, and so uh, the term implies ownership. Okay. And as I said, I've seen a lot of people uh, when they talk about this subject, they they say this is what it literally means. Demonize literally translates as. Um, uh, to render passive. Somebody else comes along and says, uh, it literally means, demonized, means to be uh, demonized. <laughs> okay. Okay. You know, I, I think that this word demonized, as some Christians are calling it, and I, I, I don't have too much of a problem with that, but I, I think this word demon, uh, demonized from the, from the Greek demon, uh, is a transliteration. And the transliteration is a kind of a rough pronunciation how you'd say, uh, say that word uh, from another language um, in, in, in English. Um, so that's really what a transliteration is. And I think that that's where they get this word demon, demonized from. But a transliteration is not a definition. It's not an explanation. So whatever your understanding is, whether you, you believe oppressed or possessed, or demonized, it doesn't really matter. The truth is that God has given us power and authority to rule and to reign over the enemy. And there is a battle raging every single day in the spiritual realms. You know, I I wasn't going to share this, but uh, just just uh, yesterday I, I I heard of some uh, friends that I knew here in Auckland uh, that belonged to another church and. Uh, they uh, they were murdered, uh, and I was absolutely horrified. Their their son uh, attacked them and murdered both his mother and his father. And um, there was a, another Christian friend of mine who was actually there who got stabbed, and at the moment he he he's crippled. You know, so sometimes we can think, oh, we're in the church. There's there's nothing going on. This doesn't affect me. Well, this was happening. These people were were dear friends, and they were in the church. And yet the enemy got in. I believe that, I don't know what, the, what all the details were, but I'm sure that the, this was a demonic attack that ended up in the death of his mother and father. And so we need, we need to be aware that we are not immune from, from all that's going on. The good news is 
that when we become aware of what's going on, we have power to cast out the devil. We have power to set the captives free. Can you say amen? Amen. Jesus gave unto us power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all manner of sicknesses, all manner of disease. He said, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hallelujah. We are more than conquerors. The true church does not need to be afraid of anything that the devil does. Can you say amen? amen. You see, we've got to know who we are in Christ. When you know who you are in Christ, you will understand your authority because our authority is wrapped up in our identity. When we understand your identity, you will understand your authority. Sons, and this is who we are. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God, created in His image and likeness. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We are co-laborers with Him, one spirit with God. We are the redeemed, the anointed, temples of God, filled with the Holy Spirit. Greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We do not need to be intimidated or frightened about what the devil is going to do. Amen. Amen. Because the church has this authority. Come, let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Father, I just thank you that you've entrusted to this church this unlimited power. Lord, that Paul is talking about, this resurrection power resides in every single one of us. Lord, it's not something we need to uh, try and stir up. It's not something that we need to, by good works, try and, and rise to a new level. Lord, we just need to simply understand this revelation of what you have done for us, that you have bestowed this incredible, unlimited, unsurpassing power, uh, Lord, uh, into our lives. And I just pray, Father God, that we would understand the power and the authority that we have. And when the enemy comes against us this week uh, and tries to disrupt our life, that the true church is going to rise up and take authority over everything that the enemy is doing. Father, we thank you that as he is, so are we in this world. As Jesus was, so are we. And Father, we thank you and we praise you that we have this incredible power and authority in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise God.